fire. It's what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom. A hallmark of human civilization for more than a million years, we've kindled up flames in our kitchens through all sorts of ways. Coal, wood, propane, and propane accessories. What's up, Hank Hill? But there's one type of fuel increasingly under debate. Natural gas. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Monday, January 10th, 2022. To fight climate change, more and more municipalities across the United States are banning natural gas lines from being installed in new buildings. That means, barber, no more gas stoves. Politicians and lawmakers in those municipalities, Berkeley, California being one of the first, are asking instead that people use electric appliances like stovetops or even the more advanced induction stovetop. But the natural gas industry is fighting back. Today, we talk about this multi-million dollar battle being fought between gas companies and municipal and even state governments. And that battle is being waged, especially in your kitchen. That looks like a good, a good um, sear. It's great. And, and so quick. <laughs> Right? I'm melting chocolate here. We're not going to touch this. I don't have to worry about it. It will never burn. I don't need a double boiler. It is protected. So, you know, induction really does a lot of work for me. That's Orange County-based chef Bridget Boucher, and she was talking with my colleague Evan Halper about how much she likes to use induction stoves. For the past year, Evan's United States of California series has examined how the Golden State influences the rest of the country on all sorts of policy matters. In one of those stories, he examined the war over natural gas taking place on cooking ranges. Evan, welcome to The Times. Hey, Gustavo. So when I think of a gas stove, I just think of turning on like voila, and you get fire. But the natural gas it uses actually has a pretty heavy environmental footprint. Yeah, it's interesting. Natural gas in houses has quite a heavy environmental footprint. The stove doesn't use so much of it. It's a small fraction of it, but it is the one appliance that people are most wedded to. There's a reason why now you're cooking with gas became a saying, and people might be okay with getting rid of their gas-powered dryer, water heater, and get an electric one. But getting rid of a gas stove is a whole other thing. So those who are looking to get natural gas out of houses are focusing on the stove because if they can get people off their addiction on gas cooking, they feel like they have a better shot at getting buy-in to these bands of gas hookups in homes. You know, there's more scientific study going on to look at the extent to which the stove is actually causing health problems. They are looking at whether the gases that are released when you turn on that stove are actually dangerous to your health. There's one study the Rocky Mountain Institute did that found there's really heightened levels of asthma in children in homes where there's a gas stove. This is happening all over the country where you have these scientists are going into people's kitchens and hooking up these tubes and basically turning on the stove and letting it run and seeing what's coming out. Whether it's methane, which is not really that harmful to human health and the amount that's coming out of the stove, but is a big climate problem, or it's NOx or formaldehyde, things that really can affect your health. And so a lot of this is going on in California. We were in this vacant townhouse in Mountain View with a professor from Stanford, Rob Jackson, and his team. These home appliances are different because it's really the only source where you you have a flame, an open flame in your house, and it's like you're standing over the campfire all the time. There's also teams going out in Washington, D.C., you know, all over the country. This is something that scientists are now looking at as they're trying to assess the extent to which these gas stoves are harmful to health. Yeah, the first U.S. city to ban new natural gas lines in homes and businesses was Berkeley back in 2019, just a couple of years ago. How did it come to decide that? 
You know, this really caught the gas industry by surprise. Berkeley went kind of out on a limb here. This was something other cities were not really looking at doing, but this is a very progressive city, as you know. And they were losing patience with the speed at which the state and the nation were moving ahead on climate. And this seemed to be a way they hit on that they could actually make some real change really fast. Obviously, if you pass these gas bans and start to ban hookups in new construction, you're sort of cutting off the natural gas industry's lifeblood. Berkeley's looking at going beyond that. I mean, right now it's new construction starting in the next few years, but they're looking at also passing ordinances that in the future could require people who already have gas lines in their house to start transitioning toward electric. Wow. So Billy Romaine is kind of the head sustainability officer in Berkeley. She talked us through how Berkeley came on this idea, what was motivating it. Becoming a fossil fuel-free city means getting rid of all our natural gas usage and our petroleum usage. And so for buildings, the first step is no new hookups to natural gas, no investments in natural gas equipment or infrastructure. And that really protects all of us from investing in what will become stranded assets because we know the climate can't afford us to continue to use natural gas for the next 50 or 100 years. But if you build a building using natural gas, that's what you've invested. You've made a 50, 100 year investment. You know, how they interestingly worked with PG&E, the power company up there, to make this happen. You know, PG&E does gas and electric, so they don't see this as so much of a problem. They even see opportunity in it. But in other parts of the country or other parts of the state, Southern California, the gas company, SoCal Gas, is very much against this. They don't do electricity. They only do gas. And so this is an existential threat. We'll be right back after this break. Yeah, so California as a state has a few different gas and electricity companies in different regions. Southern California has SoCal Gas. San Diego has San Diego Gas and Electric. And then, of course, huge swath of Northern California has PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric. And because PG&E and San Diego Gas and Electric are, well, <laughs> both gas and electric companies, hi, it's in their name, the push to replace gas stoves with electric ones doesn't bother them that much. But for SoCal Gas, which is only a gas company, banning gas stoves and new buildings would be a big blow to their finances. And so SoCal Gas obviously wants to fight these gas bans as hard as they can. And they wield huge political influence in California, Evan. You've covered that before and myself. But maybe that power is losing ground here? Yeah, you are seeing municipalities, even in Southern California, start to move on this. I mean, this is very much a movement that was born in the Bay Area in large part because PG&E was on board with it. Whereas in Southern California, it's much more complicated with the gas company just fighting it with everything they've got. But it started in the Midcoast region with San Luis Obispo. They passed one of the first bans in the SoCal gas territory. Then it went down to, you know, in the San Diego area. And Santa Monica's looking at this. And, you know, even Los Angeles is talking about, look, we've got to move toward electrification and we've got to do it pretty rapidly. So you're going to start to see a lot more movement in Southern California. And then there are 20 cities in Massachusetts that are looking at moving in this direction. And of course, the big one, New York City, just a couple of weeks ago, passed its ban. But the gas company must have noticed this movement picking up. What have they done to push back on these bans in other states? The pushback from the natural gas industry has been impressive. They have led this campaign that has persuaded 
I think it's 20 states now, to actually pass these bans on bans. They call it a kind of preemption, which is really interesting because these are almost entirely red states. They're conservative places. And, you know, these are the places that always used to talk about states' rights and local rights. But now they're basically banning their communities from passing any of these bans. They talk about gas choice. They talk about, you know, consumer choice. Gas choice. Wow. And they also talk a lot about just California's kind of loony. And we don't want to let our cities fall into the trap that places like Berkeley did. I mean, Berkeley is proving a great boogeyman for the gas industry. They're constantly invoking California in these other states as they push to ban their communities from passing any gas bans. And as you mentioned earlier, the main cudgel, if you will, for the gas industry is stoves, gas stoves. Why that focus? Because people just have this emotional attachment to their gas stove. I mean, I talked to a lot of people while I was working on this story who are home cooks, who are progressive people, might even qualify as climate activists. And they're like, I just, there's no way I can cook on one of those electric things. You know, a lot of people have had bad experiences with the coil stoves of the past. I mean, these are the things that were around when I grew up. A lot of people aren't even familiar with induction. Some people have tried induction and they still say, look, this doesn't do what I need it to do. Particular kinds of cooking with woks, for example, or, you know, if you want to char things, chefs cooking those cuisines are just not sold on the idea that they can produce the same quality food using induction models. Yeah, there's currently three types of stoves you can buy. Gas stoves, which my wife and I have in our house, and two types of electric stoves. One that uses a coil, like those small hot plates that people sometimes use if they live in an apartment, and newer ones called induction stoves. Gas ones use open flames, of course, while traditional electric ones use electricity to heat up a coil. But the induction stoves also use electricity, but use copper coils to magnetically heat the pot or pan directly. That's like super advanced future science. And that idea is a little too foreign a concept for some cooks like me. I'll admit it. I like to see fire touch my comal, you know, but some people do like them, like the chef Bridget Boucher. Sometimes I think people just like cussing out their old electric stove. And then I think we've also been convinced that gas is the best because most professional kitchens um, on a line have some form of electric and gas um, in their in their lineup. We'll be back after this break. Evan, I remember a friend about 20 years ago. What's up, Jonathan, if you remember me, with an induction burner in his parents' kitchen. And it just seemed weird to me back then. And a lot of Californians still feel the same way. Induction cooktops, they only make up about 5% of stovetop sales. So why such a small number? It's been something that has caught on in Europe, and it's very popular there. And in other parts of the globe, they look at us in the U.S. and just can't understand why people are so perplexed and flummoxed <laughs> by this. But gas ranges have been very trendy in the U.S. for a very long time. The gas industry has put a lot of money and effort into marketing them. And people feel like, I mean, you know, I was just watching the Chopped Fire episodes where, you know, it was just like a series of episodes that was all around cooking with fire and how much can you char things. And this is just a very trendy thing in this country. I love fire. I love cooking with fire. I love charring things. Perfectly grilled everything slaw. You know, you have to look at it like you look at the electric car. I mean, when these models rolled off in the early 90s, they just seemed like such a curiosity. And why would you even drive one of these things? They don't work that well. But over time, they started to work better and better. And now people are clamoring to buy a Tesla. 
And I do think the induction models over time have really improved. The demonstration that we went to, I was impressed by everything we saw there, what you could do with it, the way that the chef Bridget Boucher was charring Brussels sprouts, melting chocolate. It was just, I've seen Chinese chefs actually do things on, they make these special woks for induction stoves where you could do almost anything you could do over fire, unless you're dealing with a fire that's so hot that, you know, most home kitchens can't even burn that high. So... These models have improved. There hasn't been a lot of marketing around them. And now suddenly there's this huge push and we'll see if people go for it, if this is the next Tesla or this is just one big flop. Yeah. How much has that technology changed then from the 20 years ago since I last saw one of these? My impression is the technology has changed quite a bit. You know, my in-laws, for example, they got an induction stove and they're not big cooks. And when they put this thing in in their condo in Florida, my wife and I are like, what, what is this? What are they doing? But we started cooking on it. And we're like, wow, this thing's pretty cool. You know, and that was years ago. The stoves we saw in the Snyder Diamond showroom where we had a demonstration were really impressive. I mean, the speed with which they heated up, the precision, just even the way they looked. And, you know, they have new models that won't even look like a range. It just looks like your countertop. You put the stove down, you turn something on in an app, and suddenly the pot's heating up. You pull the pot off and you put your hand over the back of the countertop and it's not even hot anymore. So you can do some pretty amazing things with these kinds of ranges. They've really upped the technology and, you know, with all the interest now, especially from high-end buyers. I mean, it's kind of like you saw with the electric cart. These are expensive things. You know, to get an induction stove, you're making a big investment. The models right now that work the best, obviously, are really out of range for most people. Yeah, I just did a quick Google search and it looks like some of the higher-end induction stoves are selling for like almost $10,000. Damn. Yeah, the technology is improving like it is with all things electric. And, you know, I know people are hesitant about these kinds of stoves, but if you haven't looked at one in 20 years, you should go take a look. It's interesting to see the campaign that the gas industry is using to push gas-run stoves and be against induction burners. In the video that the LA Times shot that you appeared in, I saw a lot of chefs that I actually know, and they're talking about, you know, the glories of the flames and how induction burners just don't get it. And I'm sorry, but like, who am I going to be paying attention to when it comes to this? Am I going to be paying attention to a politician or a chef at one of my favorite restaurants? You're exactly right. And the activists who are pushing this, and it's a growing group of activists, and it goes, you know, from the Sierra Club down to these like local groups that are lending out, you know, induction hobs to anyone who wants to borrow one so they could experience this. They are working hard to recruit chefs, you know, themselves. So you have like celebrity chef Martin Yan is in their corner. There's some other chefs who are joining this movement. Yeah, Billy Romaine in Berkeley told you about efforts to market these induction stoves. So our goal right now is to do as much outreach and education and demonstrations on an induction stove. Water boils in half the time. It's got real benefits in a restaurant. It doesn't heat up the kitchen as much. So there are a lot of real benefits that we want to educate people about so that they understand how to use it and all the benefits. But yeah, it's a tough sell. There's a lot of ground to make up. The gas industry has been working on this for a very long time. And a lot of these chefs who have been working with gas their entire careers, they just can't even imagine a kitchen that doesn't have gas. And so it's not a hard sell for them when the gas industry asks, will you appear in a video just talking about cooking with flame and why that's important? I think a lot of it is just also almost primordial. Like we have been conditioned to... Think of cooking with the flame, the flame itself. You see the fire. And I think myself, I have a gas stove to all of a sudden have something that's electric and I can't see that fire. Part of me is going to be like, well, uh, this can't possibly be real. It can't possibly create great results, even though it might actually. But like already that resistance is just right there from the start. 
Yeah, it's a huge cultural adjustment and making this shift is tough. It's a tough sell. But what's interesting about it is that the folks who are really promoting this, they're so confident in technology, they believe that, look, if we could just get you, Gustavo, to borrow one of these uh, <laughs> induction hubs and, and try it out for a few days, you will see it's really not going to put a damper on your cooking and you can do some amazing things with it. It's safer, it's cleaner, and it's more precise. And they just want people to try it. One day I'll subject one of these induction burners to my quesadilla test, but one day, not, <laughs> not, not right now. Finally, Evan, your year-long series has focused on how California influences national policy. What does California want to do next with natural gas? And then how do you think the rest of the country is going to respond? Well, what you're seeing is Berkeley and some of these other cities are going to move beyond just banning gas and new hookups and try to start banning it or try to start these transitions where even people who already have gas hooked up in their homes can move to electric and push this electrification to the next level. Interestingly, the city of Ithaca in upstate New York actually went ahead and passed one of these types of bans. And there's all kinds of questions about how that'll work and the cost involved and all kinds of issues. And so California is sort of working on this. One of the interesting things about this movement, though, is it didn't really start from the state. The California Energy Commission is looking at the extent to which gas belongs and hookup bans, and they are moving aggressively to try to phase Californians off of natural gas, but not as fast as some of these cities are moving. And so this is one area where California is taking the lead, not as Sacramento, but actually out of local municipalities. And it will be interesting to see if Santa Monica, if some of these progressive cities in Southern California try to leapfrog past Berkeley and use even more aggressive timelines. After doing all of this, any chance that you're going to switch over to induction burner? If I were in the market for a new stove right now, I would definitely get induction. We talked about the costs, and right now, everyone I've talked to said, don't rip out your gas stove and put an induction one in. Even the issue of where do you even recycle all these old gas stoves and what do you do with them, that creates an environmental problem itself. But yeah, I moved into a new house about a year ago, and it had a huge, you know, six burner, like, it almost looked like industrial scale gas stove. I was so excited about that thing. Now I look at it and it makes me very nervous. So, mm. <laughs> you know, if I were moving again and I had the option I was putting in a new stove, I would go induction. Oh, wow. Well, you got to convert. Evan, thank you so much for this conversation. It was great to be here. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brosalian, Melissa Kaplan, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Lauren Rapp. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us Tapuchia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Arellano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. <laughs>